the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Mary, the little girl, teenage girl from Nazareth, that nobody liked, didn't seem to be worth much, surrendered her life to God, and she became the most important mighty mama for God the world has ever known. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko brings you the first portion of a message that he calls Mighty Mama. That's Mighty Mama, and we hope that you enjoy it. Remember, you can find it online after the broadcast at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Father God, we thank you today that in Jesus we're saved. And that part of saving us is giving us a good mother or a mother. Lord, I think of the scripture that says, Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Our planet was birthed with the power of creator God by a pre-existent civilization that was here at the dawn of time, that interacted with us to save us in the sense from Satan's presence in the universe and then to give us a future. When sin came, they've been with us ever since. Jerusalem above is free, and she's our mother. Lord, thank you for Jerusalem. Happy Mother's Day up there. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think of a great evangelist in American history, what's the name that comes out the most obvious? What is it? Billy Graham. I mean, it's just archetypical. It rises to the top of the preacher list. In our church denomination, we think also of Elder Mark Finley. Give me a couple of others that might come to the list here. C.D. Brooks, Doug Batchelor. Yeah, they're so great preachers. Now, many of those that we mention in our own church aren't even known outside of Adventism. We have our own culture of evangelism. But in the entire American persona, Billy Graham's of the talk of the pack. When Mark Finley went to the Soviet Union and held a series of meetings there for well over a month, he followed Billy Graham, who held it for a weekend or so. And together, their influence was felt. It helped to break down faithlessness, atheism, in the former Soviet bloc. Before there was a Billy Graham in America, though, friend, there was a man named Billy Sunday. You ever hear of Billy Sunday? Billy Sunday, who left his huge mark on the conscience of our nation and culture during the first two decades of the 20th century. The Roaring Twenties saw the roaring preaching of Billy Sunday. I'm not even sure I can preach like Billy Sunday. You know, sometimes pastors try to mimic pastors. I don't do that. I once did it. Didn't do that well. You remember Charles Bradford? great preacher in Adventist tradition. I can still remember what H.M.S. Richards Jr. taught me. 
in the Marshall Islands, because he would mimic these great preachers he himself was one, in my view, the speaker of the voice of prophecy. And Harold said this to me. He said, Mike, you've got to preach like Charles Bradford. He said, there are two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. We are standing between two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. We are standing between two seas, the Red Sea and the Sea of Glass. We are standing between what was and what will be. Now, I don't preach like that. In fact, I stumble through trying to do it. But praise God, there are great preachers out there. You know, I just get my Bible, I open it up, and I try to share what it says. But boy, they can do it better than I ever could. I just so grateful for them. C.D. Brooks was a friend of mine. He's been in our church and spoken here in the past. His picture is on a plaque in the back in my office. Boy, I'm indebted to great evangelists. Billy Graham, though, in our culture is at the top of the list for many reasons. Billy Sunday, though, held 300 revivals, and it's estimated that 100 million people attended his meetings to hear Jesus Christ. That's amazing. After living in an orphanage as an outfielder, Billy Sunday turned from professional baseball to become an insider for God by catching souls for Jesus Christ and by bringing men and women to Jesus, calling them boldly to personal reform and godly living in the touring 20s. And some people say, well, you can't be a preacher unless you go to seminary. That's nonsense. If God's spirit is poured on you to give you the gift of evangelism, your education does not qualify you. The mandate of the calling of God, the anointing of God qualifies you. And so Billy Sunday was called out of baseball to make a difference in our culture. Billy Sunday's parents were of German descent with the good German genes for austerity and effort. And I pinch myself, I have German genes and I relish every one of them. I also have Jewish genes and the list goes on. My sons have Arab genes and our family were a potpourri of all kinds of nations. But tragically, Billy's father died of pneumonia when he was younger. His mother, Mary Jane, remarried again, but her new husband in time deserted both her and her children, so he wasn't made of good metal. Mary Jane was unable to feed her children, including Billy Sunday. So what did she do? I mean, she wanted to see her kids survive. These were awful times. So she led them to live in an orphanage that could do what she could not do. So they became orphan kids. In that orphanage, Billy Sunday developed Christian discipline and the body of a world-class athlete to go along with it. In time, Billy Sunday turned away from successful sports career as an outfielder to an evangelist, preacher, revivalist of Presbyterian bent, who with the help of God turned this country upside down for Jesus Christ. Billy Sunday. He said this, though, of his mother, and I'd like to share it with you. Awesome tribute. He said, I don't believe there are devils enough in hell to pull a boy out of the arms of a godly mother. Awesome statement. Billy got it right. He knew the power of a mighty mama for God. Some mothers give their children up so they can live. Others do other things. Mighty mama. George Washington, the father of our country, said this of his mother. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Abraham Lincoln echoed George Washington when he said of his mother, who had a hard life, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Isn't that an awesome tribute? This morning, I'd like to consider the worth, the character, and significance of a mighty mama for God. The first mother in the Bible who ever came along, what was her name? You know what her name was. Come on, take your Bibles out. The first mother in Scripture. What's her name? 
Eve. Very good. Now, do you know what Eve's name means? It means life. It comes from the Hebrew verb chava, which means to live. Adam named his wife life. Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Adam named his wife life. And the Bible says that Eve was the mother of all living human beings. Now, we all have grandmothers. You have grandmothers here? Come on, raise your hand. We all do. Who is our common grandmother in this room? We have two. Miss Noah and... Eve, exactly. We all have a common grandmother that goes back to a woman named Eve whose name means life. You see, a mighty mama, the right kind of mother, gives life to her children and life to the generations that follow. With the help of a good mother, all children, I believe, are meant for life. And that is why Christians are pro-life on behalf of children. We must be about children in this church before they're born, when they're born, after they're born, helping mothers who feel like they can't help their children to live, therefore they want to give them up, to have those children. So we must be the good Samaritans for these godly, struggling women like Billy Sunday's mother so that they can have a future for their children. Children matter to God because life matters to God. When Eve bore Cain, her first son, she got proud about her achievement. In fact, if you go back in Paleolithic culture and you look at the most ancient form of religion, it's the worship of the great mother principle of the earth. Maybe Eve got that going by how proud she was of her first child, Cain. She claimed godlike power in her boast and her ability to give life to her son, Cain. Remember, the devil said, you shall become like God. And she said, well, I am like God. I just had a son. I created something. You ever get disobedient your mom corrects you? Doesn't mama correct you when she needs to? Come on. A little bite in mama is good for all of us. Well, my mother would do that when I was really not acting good, had a bad attitude. She would say this. And as I said, my mother had mental illness. Now, this was wise for someone with mental illness. She would turn to me, look me straight in the face, and she said, I gave you life, you disobedient boy. Boy, that worked. The power of the life giver to shape the future. I just melted away and said, what do you want me to do, Mom? I'll do it. Now, Eve thought she gave Cain life. Look at Genesis 4.1. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now, my translation, their RSV reads a little different. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. But when you know Hebrew, this is really dynamic stuff here. The verb kanati is the basis, kana is the basis of the name Cain. And it's used in Proverbs 8 for the creation of the earth. She's literally saying, and by the way, the phrase with the help of is an unpointed aleph and tau in Hebrew, which can mean the direct object marker in the Hebrew language. So here is how the Hebrew reads and can read. And some of the greatest Hebrew scholars have drawn this out. She says, I have created a man who is the Lord. Now that's the language of the serpent. You'll be like God. And boy, she says it. But after Cain killed Abel, her son, heartbroken and humbled, realizing that her boast to be a mighty mama that can create, Eve came by degree to realize that she could not succeed as a mother or create anything without God in her life. As true authority and a true source of strength, she turned away from her and she turned to God. Genesis 4, 25 and 26. Adam knew his wife again. This is after the death of Abel. 
And she bore a son and called his name Seth. The Hebrew word is seat. It means to put or to appoint. It's first used in Genesis 3.15 for the great promise, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. It's an echo of the promise of the Messiah. Seth, seat, to put, for she said, God has put or appointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. Notice the humility here. Notice the reliance on God. She is shifting from someone who believes she has God-like power to relying on God as a mother in her life. Eve at last affirmed that she didn't create her son like she had bragged about before when she named him Cain. Created, that's what it means. No, God gave Seth to her as a son and God appointed Seth for her and she learned that every child is a gift from God. You don't dominate, you lead, you guide. Just as soon as this awareness came into Eve's life, she came to see that she was not a mighty mama on her own without God. A mighty mama needs a mighty God to make a mighty difference in her children's life and her life. Am I right? Mighty mama needs a mighty God. As soon as Eve figured out that fact, we have recorded in Holy Scripture the very first revival in human history. It comes after she affirms that. Why? Because when a mother in need turns to God, her children learn to live for God, revival occurs in the church, future generations are empowered, and good things are on the march for God. And others. Verse 26 To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Enosh in Hebrew means mortal man. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, I have a mathematician friend up in Andrews University who did some math and genealogical and, and numbers works in the Bible. The longest time prophecy, which starts in the autumn of 457 BC, moves forward to the year 1844, which marks the time for revival at the time of the end. The final revival of human history is marked out by the 2300 year-for-day prophecy that moves from 457 B.C., the decree to restore and build Jerusalem, predicted in Daniel 9, verse 25, all the way down to 1844, the Second Great Awakening, the Advent Movement arising, A people on earth committed to the teaching and preaching of the Bible and the Bible only to prepare this world for the coming of Christ. 2,300 years. Now, he showed me this. When you go 2,300 years in reverse, from 457 B.C., you come back to the first revival in the history of the world, the line of Enosh. And there men begin to call on the name of the Lord. And God's name and God's law are the same thing in Scripture. There was a resurgence of a knowledge of a loving, covenant-keeping God after Eve turned to God. Mighty Mama affected a revival in the first era of the human race. And I believe godly mothers will be operative in the church and the world to awaken the conscience of a generation of children and others to the coming of Jesus Christ. Women of God, you are indispensable for God in the church. In addition to Eve, I would like for us to consider, though, this morning, the lessons learned in the lives of four other believing mighty mamas who gave themselves to God, who model the strength of women for God. Number one, the first mighty mama I'd like to consider is Moses' mother, Jochebed. Did I say that right? I never get it. I think it's Jochebed. That's how my English translation says it. Moses' father was named Amram, and his mother was named Jochebed. Amram was born a slave in Egypt who fathered slaves after him, and yet his name means exalted people. Because God would set his children free. His children who were born slaves would not be slaves. They would be exalted. They'd make a difference to the end of time. Moses, who gave us the law, God working through that, Aaron, the first high priest, and so on. 
Moses' mother Jochebed's name means the glory of the Lord or the Lord is glory. Because no situation in life, friend, if you're a slave or not, is too dark that God's light cannot show the true worth of a man or woman for divine purposes in their lives. God did not call you to darkness. God called you to live in the glory of his light. She was named that. Now, in Exodus 2, verse 2, this woman says, So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. I love this verse. Now think about this. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the newborn children of the Hebrews, and he was doing it, throwing them to the crocodile god. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. But Jochebed hid her son Moses from Pharaoh because she saw, and here's the key point of the text, she saw that her little boy was a beautiful child. Now mothers, when you have children and they're born, are they beautiful to you? Raise your hand. Give us a consensus here. Hands high matters if that's the truth. I mean, I know the look on Diana's eyes. I was there when both our boys were born. She was crying, so beautiful. I said, yes, they're beautiful. You are too, honey. Gave her a kiss on the cheek and all that awful labor was over. Now think about it. This little mother, slave of the Hebrews, opposed the most powerful nation on planet Earth and the most powerful person on planet Earth, Pharaoh, to save her little boy from his edict that would have killed her son because she saw in the light of God's glory that her name represents that her child was beautiful. Friends, the children of our church are beautiful to God. The Supreme Court leak this week has the whole nation engulfed in the issue of abortion. Now, I'm not here to divide anyone over political lines. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I just care about children. I think that's a Christian cause. And I don't think we need to say, I like Trump or Obama or whatever. I pray for all our presidents, whoever they are. And we're told to respect them. So this idea that we can disrespect President Biden because we don't like his politics is nonsense. We are to respect the presidents, be they Republican or not, and stay out of that. But when it comes to the lives of children... You know, Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that a millstone were tied about your neck and be thrown to the sea. Christians in the first century would visit the trash heaps of the Roman Empire. They would collect the little babies discarded by the secular-minded Romans, the little girls mainly, or the ones with defects. They would raise them in the church for the glory of God because in the eyes of those early Christians, every child is beautiful to God. So at the heart of the issue of abortion is the profound question. It's not really being asked out there in our secular world, but the church should ask it. Is a child beautiful to God? Is it? Now, it's easy to get out of this. Well, they're not a child or they're born. Nonsense. The Bible calls them children before they're born. The Holy Spirit hovers in the womb. It's likened to a temple of God in Scripture. If the answer is yes to this question, then no one has a right to take the life of that child away from God. 
probably except for the life of the mother, because life is valued against life in Scripture. And so when someone says, well, I had a bad day, I don't want to have my child, well, they don't realize their child is beautiful to God. Would that they were beautiful in the eyes of that dear person. Do you realize that 62 million children have been murdered in this country since the beginning of Roe v. Wade? And most of them are African-American children. It is a racial holocaust that has occurred in our country. Racism and greed and evil philosophies have devalued the lives of these beautiful and precious children. Einsteins, Mother Teresa's, who knows what would have been born to this planet had these children been viewed as beautiful and had the church and others rallied to help them live. Evil men and women with evil agendas have convinced a troubled mother here or there that adds up to about 60 million mothers in our country that their children are not beautiful to them or to God or to our society enough to let them live. When the church comes to believe such a horrible thing, and it's possible, when parents come to believe such a horrible thing, it happens. Then you do what Pharaoh did. You throw them to the crocodiles on the altars of Moloch and Baal. The horrific deaths that these children... You know, I was just watching on YouTube a woman testifying before Congress a few years who was a baby who survived an abortion and she had been scalded and all this stuff and she later met her mother and she recounts how that meeting meant so much in her life to bring them back together. Life matters. Every child is beautiful to God. A mighty mama for God will live and strive like Jacob to save every one of her children because she knows deep inside that her son or daughter is beautiful to God. And those who've been on the wrong side of this will learn to grow. God will forgive and heal and keep you. A good church will support you as you move into a new future where God is in your life. God's not in the condemning business. God's in the saving business. Jacob's name in Hebrew means the Lord is glory, and it carries the idea of fertility. In the light of God's glory, dear heart, the little slave woman came to see that God gave her a beautiful child in spite of Pharaoh, in spite of his evil narcissistic kingdom's love of murder, and in spite of his evil decree that would kill her beautiful child. This is my beautiful child. She put Moses in a basket, which was an ark. In fact, look at the Hebrew word for the basket. It's the word ark. It's the same word used for the Ark of the Covenant, where the law of God was put in. Think about that. The lawgiver was in an ark who would put the law of God in the ark. And it's also the word used for Noah's ark, the new deliverer from the new flood. He was on the Nile. He came off, and thus he delivers God's people like Noah. God worked it out so Jacob could nurse and train Moses. As Pharaoh's daughter found her, adopted her, by God's providence, his mother came into the mix. He was, she was able to have an influence on Moses as he was being prepped for Pharaoh's future. The man who placed the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant was saved in an ark on the Nile River, a basket. Every precious child is meant to be a sacred treasure in the Ark of the Covenant of God. Number two, the second mighty mama I would like to consider this morning is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Do you know who she is? You scratch your head. Well, maybe. Some of you do. Others don't. Now, Jael is a live wire kind of woman. She lived during the days of Deborah and Barak, which is the time of the judges, when every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, God used Deborah as a prophetess and warrior for God to defeat King Jabin of Canaan and his mighty army led by Sisera. We know of Deborah, but Jael is kind of like the second act in the play. In Judges 5-7, Deborah is praised as a mother in Israel. And I like that term, a mother in Israel. How many of you are a mother in Israel on Mother's Day? Come on. Yeah, that's a cool thing. 
Jabin had 900 chariots and he persecuted God's people for 20 years with these 900 chariots. Through Deborah's courage and Barak's army, he was afraid. He said, I'm not going to go into battle unless Deborah goes. Well, Deborah will get the credit. Deborah got the credit. Barak means lightning. He was no kind of lightning without Deborah at his side. And so this woman led the way. The war was won. God routed King Jabin's army with all those 900 chariots. And Sisera, his murderous general, like a crybaby, began to flee for his life from a mother in Israel with a divine mean streak in her to save all the children of Israel. Amazing thing. Now the story transitions from Deborah and Barak to Jael, another mother in Israel, who got the job done practically. And I'm serious. Her name in Hebrew means practical. Judges 4, 17 and 18. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. Bad move, Sisera. The wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hadzer and the house of Heber the Kenite. Now look at verse 18. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, to turn aside to me. Have no fear. So he turned aside to her and to the tent. And she covered him with a rug. Now I would say beware of anyone who invites you into a tent and wants to cover you with a rug. But that's what happened, okay? Hide under the rug. Now Sisera, the mass murderer of the Canaan, was tired. So he asked Jael for a drink in her tent. She opened up a skin and gave him some milk. He wanted water. She gave him the milk of human kindness. Well, unfortunately, we'll have to pick up the events of the tent the next time we're together when we complete this broadcast. Thanks for joining us today for Reaching Your Heart. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.